This is Agents Influence Podcast. I realize I've got to do something different in order to continue. I've got a successful agency, but I want to grow. And I know part of that, my staff's asking me for income and for raises. I don't know how to address that. I really want to address that. And it looks like you've got a way for us to do that. I'm Jason Cass, and we're going to help you think differently, change your agency, change your finances, change your family, and in the end, we're going to change an industry. Let's go. Hey, this is Jason Cass with Agents Influence Podcast, and I've got to tell you, this is going to be a good one today, folks. So I want to introduce to you the owner of Catalyst Insurance Systems. I'm going to let him do most of the talking, but uh, Tom Baker, uh, welcome to the podcast today. Good morning, Jason. Thanks for the opportunity. No problem. No problem. So Tom, I ran into you out there on LinkedIn. I was really kind of searching around and I was doing some research for people who understand compensation for business. But not only that, compensation for insurance agencies, as we know, and Tom, maybe I'm wrong, maybe I'm right. I feel as if there is a difference between the way we compensate in the insurance industry versus a lot of other um, industries. And I would agree with that. All right, fantastic. So, Tom, let's get right into this. Are you an iPhone or a Droid user? I know you are favor the iPhone. I'm on the other side of the aisle. I use Android. Okay, no, 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 Tom. No, no, no. My followers are absolutely laughing right now because, no, I'm actually a Droid user. Oh, so, okay. You know, so, I think you listened to a podcast a couple I of did. weeks ago where I was joking about me being an iPhone. So, sorry about that. That was my fault. We so, never, you're a fellow Droid. We never want to associate Jason Cass with an iPhone, okay? That's really important that we start that off right there, Tom. So anyways, no, I am a Droid user. I'm like you. I realize um, I realize that the dark side would be the iPhone. It's almost like being a captive agent. Wow, there I, just, you I go. just actually thought of that. Actually, there's a lot of it similarities in an iPhone. Oh boy, I'm going to be getting some emails now from my listeners. But yes, I did say that. And so what's the last app that you downloaded, Tom? Yeah, the last app I downloaded was from Zappos, the shoe company. Really? Okay. And the reason Zappos has done some amazing things in their hiring and their culture, uh, you may know they when they hire someone, they'll put them through an intense three-week training. And at the end of the training, before they start work, they'll offer them four thousand dollars to quit. Really. And they will actually go out to their employees that at any time, they, they'll go out and say, anybody in the organization that wants to quit, we will pay you $4,000 to quit. Whoa. And the reason is, if the person doesn't want to be there, it's cheaper to pay them $4,000 than it is to have them around and not want to be there. So I try to make it a point to learn as much about Zappos as I possibly can. You it's know, an amazing company. You know what? And I've been hearing that about Zappos. I've heard that actually for three or four years. And what's amazing is, is we order our shoes there. And I guess, you know, I, I don't really notice anything great about them. But here's what's amazing. 
I notice that I get my shoes. I notice it's usually in a very timely fashion. It's packaged very nicely. I usually get exactly what I ordered. And so I think in the world today where we're used to getting so many things wrong in the process, maybe exactly. we're just not used to getting things right. So yeah, Zappos is out there and I think it was started out of like the garage of the owner's home or something like that. Yeah. I, I read a little bio, uh, not nothing big about it, but yeah. And Tony Shea is not a dynamic person. He's not charismatic, but I was listening to a video on this out on YouTube. If any of the listeners wants to go look at it, it's a testimonial. Uh, it's testimonial of the employees about working at Zappos. And one of the people said, I am a better person for having worked at Zappos. Whoa. Whoa, and powerful. She said, uh, she, I think it was an ATM or someone, and she got too much money back. And she said, I probably would have returned the portion that was not mine before I started working in Zappos. But after I started working at Zappos, taking that money is not aligned with the core values of the company I work for. So I absolutely returned it. And I'm a better person for having worked at Zappos. And the amazing thing is, Jason, back in 2008, 2009, economy was terrible. Zappos was making money. And wow. a large part of it is the culture that they have established. So, yes, I go out and try to learn anything I can about Zappos. Wow. That's awesome. That is that is super awesome. So, Tom, um, you know, you and I have been going back and forth for probably the past three or four weeks trying to get on and uh, trying to find some time. You're a busy guy and I am a busy guy. But why are you busy? Take us back to um, when maybe you were in high school, before that, college, whatever, and kind of fast forward to where we are now to uh, right to the point that, that helps us understand the value that you bring to agencies and to businesses across America. Yeah, back in high school, <clears throat> probably had an opportunity to get a part-time job in retail and I went to college at UTA, University of Texas, Arlington, and just happened to get in retail, really didn't have a major that I was pursuing. So in the late 60s, all the way up to the early 80s, I started out in retail and started as a salesman, the store manager, ended up as kind of a troubleshooter that when the company I worked for would have stores that were not profitable, were not generating the business. I'd go in and turn it around. In about two weeks, I could always turn around any store and they, their numbers would be up instead of down. In and two I, weeks? I, in two weeks. Wow, okay. And, and the reason is every business where people say we, we can't grow, we're, we're limited, we just don't have what it takes. And this is true in our industry also. The staff will say, I either need more time, I need a better product, or I need better customers. And that's exactly what I hear from agencies also. I don't have the time, you know, we need better markets, we're not competitive, we don't have the people that are doing business with us. And by working on those three factors and setting up a system, we can always turn it around very, very quickly. Um, what I found though in doing that, and over the 15 plus years I was in retail, I found that I could go in and make that happen. And I could make it happen consistently. Problem was when I left and another manager came in and I went to the next trouble uh, spot, everything that I did went back to the way it was because it didn't really change anything. I just came in with my personality and my 
fences to make everybody successful, but I really didn't change any of the employees. Their mindset, their commitment never really changed. I could just drive it through. And so one of the things I learned as I, I walked through retail, I ended up as a general manager for this company and then owned my own retail store for a while. And I found that I really didn't know how to develop a team, develop a self-sustaining group of people that whether I was there or not, they would be able to grow the business and, and grow themselves. And that was a hard transition for me because yeah, it wasn't my way or the highway, it was just my way. There wasn't even a highway. <laughs> and young man came to me way, way back there and I said, I wanna transfer you to another location. And he said, well, what's in it for me if I take the transfer? I said, that's easy. You get to keep your job. That's your benefit. And so when we moved into the 80s and the quality movement and listening staff and all those things happened, that was a very difficult mindset for me to change because for all those years, it was definitely a very authoritative um, type of a management process I had. But in the early 80s, I'd been preparing during the 70s and actually moved into what I thoroughly enjoyed from the early 80s to the late 90s, uh, and that was marriage and family counseling. Wow, and that's okay. one of the very fa favorite things that I've done in my life. I traveled and did seminars. I had a couple of live radio call-in talk shows, which I really, really enjoyed, and I learned a lot about people, I took what I learned in retail about myself and customers and staff and had an opportunity to, from the early 80s up to the late 90s to uh, work with a lot of people, a lot of organizations, do a lot of seminars. And that's where my thinking really began to change in learning how to listen to people, understanding the needs of people and just changing something in me that needed to change away from that very autocratic um, way of doing business. So when did you decide then that the insurance industry was something you wanted to be specific on? Am I right that that's kind of your main your main drive? It is. Okay. okay. And, and that's, that's kind of my world right now. And when I left, when I stopped doing the marriage family counseling and seminars, um, I took kind of a break between 1999 and 2003, which is when I got an insurance. And one of the things, and, and I'm, it's always, I feel proud to be able to say this, when TSA was created after 9-11, and you know, they brought in this whole new training force, privatized training force, uh, or, or you know, TSA, and I was one of the initial trainers that went out to train the TSA and agents, and some of them were on the baggage side and some was on the front end. Mine was on the uh, the baggage side. And I feel like I've been a part of history in that, which is something that I take a lot of pride in. You should, you should. That is a, That was a huge uh, turning point for our, and in addition to our government and our society, that will probably never go away. So. Yeah, and largest training force ever mobilized other than World War II. So in 2003, I was kind of looking for, you know, what was my next step? And my brother had been in insurance for 20 plus years at that time. And he asked me to come on board and help him with a couple of things. So that's how I got involved in insurance. 
and it was just um, really some odds and ends and helping him on some administrative things and such. I thought I really liked insurance. I enjoyed the business. I enjoyed working with agencies. So from 2003 to 2008, I worked for Ted, and during that time, I published a magazine. I've got a uh, newsletter twice a month called The Source, and which generated a lot of business for him. Had an opportunity to write an article for Agent and Broker Magazine for a couple of years. Built a lot of um, friendships and alliances during that time. And one of the things I found, um, Jason, as I looked at the insurance industry based on the things I had done in the past, yeah, I tell people I love the insurance business because I get to revisit the 50s, which is kind of just <laughs> about where the insurance agency yeah, business is and sometimes <laughs> oh that's the funniest thing I've ever heard in this business that is so could, great I swear to god I'm gonna oh, excuse, I'm, I'm gonna steal that Tom I'm totally gonna steal that alright but Tom let me see okay we're going back to the 50s and let's describe that I mean whether it's the 50s 60s or 70s the point is, is today in agencies, we're, we're having so many issues in the fact that we're realizing, you know, what's, what's amazing is, is um, and I promise I won't get on too big of a rant, what's amazing is, is that uh, we understand that the consumer is changing, we build our agency around those structural changes, but we necessarily don't realize that the, that our employee or our staff member or the independent contractor we use is actually a consumer as well. So not only is they're changing their buying habits, but they're also changing their interior habits and the way that we can motivate them and the way that we can let them build into our culture. So, I mean, let's let's talk about this, Tom. You receive a phone call from uh, hundreds of agents a year. Usually, what is the main issue that you usually hear or you can listen to an agent talk for a couple minutes and be like, oh, this is probably their main issue. I mean, what, I, is, it, is it easy to kind of categorize that and say this is usually the one I hear the most or is it just spread out all over the place? There's two comments that come up more than anything else. One is an agency owner that says, I realize I've got to do something different in order to continue. I've got a successful agency, but I want to grow. And I know part of that, my staff's asking me for income and for raises. I don't know how to address that. I really want to address that. And it looks like you've got a way for us to do that. So we do have a lot of agencies that they're solid, they're sound, a good relationship between management and staff, and they just want to build on the foundation that they built. On the other side of that is the owner who calls me and says, I am sick and tired of babysitting. I feel like I'm pushing a boulder up a hill and every so often I lose my grip and it comes down and rolls over me. I need some way to get my staff in line for them to do their job. And they're very, very frustrated because they may have tried bonuses and they may have tried you know, putting pay increases in different things and the things haven't worked. And I, I actually do have, you know, the wording is, I feel like a babysitter, not a business owner. What can you do for me? I want somehow my staff's pay to be a factor in getting me out of the babysitting business. So from a 30,000 foot view on comment number one, 
what is usually the main thing or understand uh, to all your listeners, uh, to all my listeners here that we we only have a certain amount of time to do this podcast. So, you know, if you have more interest in Tom and what he's going to talk to you about, please reach out to him. Okay. I'm not making any money by how much people call Tom or whatever. I just want you to be better and get these questions. So Tom's going to do his best to elaborate, but we're going to also have to summarize. And so uh, for the sake of time, and so that's one thing I want to ask you here, Tom. Let's go back to the first comment here. Um, they have to do something different to continue building on what they've done. Can let, let's 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 uh, let's dig down deep into that a little bit. What does that look like? What are some what are some ideas? What are some thoughts? What are the things you see? What are some solutions? One of the things that that category of agency owners they're really looking for ways to increase the income of their staff. The problem is. No business owner today in good conscience can increase fixed expenses not knowing what the economy's gonna do. Yeah, the economy's better than it was several years ago, but still, it's very uncertain where things are going. So business owners simply are not in a position to say, I'm gonna increase by 3%, 5%, whatever the increase might be. So they're saying, look, I wanna way to compensate staff, but I can't take the risk. What are the ways that we can do that? And, and really, performance-based compensation, particularly the system that we've developed, because we actually do have a complete system start to finish. And they're looking for a way to pay staff more, but not take the risk, or at least to manage their risk, so they're not out over the edge and if the economy goes bad then they've got a situation that's not I know I know absolutely that's the truth for two reasons first of all Tom this is what you do for a living and obviously you wouldn't lie to the listeners but number two I know that's the truth because that is the same exact thought I've had in my head so I've been going through trying to hire somebody and we're moving some staff and one of our staff is moving back to Indiana and we hate to lose her, but it's the way that it is. And you know, me and my business partner are talking about that an exact thing called increasing fixed expenses and being prepared for the downturn. Now we're in high growth mode, but what's to say tomorrow that something couldn't dramatically exactly. happen? It's you know, it's it's about as risky as going getting a mortgage when you have no idea if you're going to keep your job the next day. You know what I mean? It's it's a, it's a very very true thing. So okay, so so what is what are some of the ways that you help them understand? Like what you say, it's more of around uh, what you say, production uh, versus increased fixed expenses. Performance. 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 And usually when we hear that word, we think producers or salespeople or is tied to revenue. What we've done is to create a system that we have KPIs, key performance indicators. Term's been around the corporate world forever. It just, we're catching up with it. <laughs> and, you know, because 50 is a long time ago. <laughs> and, and, um, so you know, we're looking at a system of performance base that we can actually tie any behavior of any position, licensed, unlicensed, sales, service, front office, back office, tie any position, things like following procedures, how you get along with one another, the number of quotes you give, the amount of revenue that you, we have about 80 KPIs that we've developed for every, um, for every position. And what that has done for us, instead of performance being just for the salespeople, we now have everyone that can be put on a performance-based plan. And here's the amazing thing, Jason. 
on average, employees of the agencies we work with are making 10% more this year than they did last year. Are making 10% more. More. 8% more. 8%, 10%, somewhere in that range. Staff are making more money than they did before they got on our program. So you got you got you got a person you got a CSR account manager whoever out there is that's making thirty thousand dollars a year. They go through your system and roughly they're going to make about ten percent thirty three thirty three thousand if they go through this exactly. System. Okay, okay. And I was talking with the uh, owner of the we were on a discussion group where our our customers come together, and she is an employee that started out at ten eleven dollars an hour four and a half years ago. Today, that person is making about 42000 a year. Wow. She has bought a house. Her life is dramatically changed. And Patty, the agency owner, says, I'm thrilled she's making that money because in order for her to make that much money, it means I've made even more money. And that's what performance-based compensation does. It manages the risk so that you can put the income on the table and here's the way we word it. And we say, look, employee, Jason, you're my employee. You're 30000 That $3,000 increase, it's not a bonus. Bonuses don't work. They just, and every agency owner, this, like, you know that. Bonuses don't work. So what we do is say it's not an opportunity to make more money. Jason, you have a responsibility to earn $33,000 a year. 10% increase. Jason, if you don't earn that amount, it means you've not done your job and there are consequences for not doing your job. But we want staff to own it, feel it, taste it, spend it, do everything that they can because if they will own that increase, that $3,000, if that becomes their money, they'll do whatever they have to do to not lose what's theirs. And that's one of the reasons bonuses don't work. It's because staff never really own it. We have staff own their job. We take an opportunity, make it a responsibility. And that way, the owner, in the way that we structure the plan, the owner's not going to pay it out unless he gets the things he wants, whether it's behaviors or money in the bank. So everybody wins. And here's the amazing this is what I'm so excited about. Every employee, when the agency grows, when the agency moves up, everyone immediately moves up together. And we've got a receptionist in Dallas that's getting a piece of every dollar that comes into the agency. This uh, receptionist, she's not licensed, so she doesn't have anything directly to do in sales, but she does participate in a culture of ownership that everyone's a part of, and when the agency grows, everybody grows. Can when you give me a snapshot of that? How does that look like specifically for that for that uh, receptionist and how she's growing with the business okay. without being compensated by commission? We have three different types of income. One is performance, which is the KPIs. One is hourly or salary. And the third is commission slash revenue sharing. In her case, it's revenue sharing. So the entire agency has a goal. And every CSR, this does not apply to uh, dedicated producers. We put them on a plan of their own. But everyone else in the agency, it could be receptionist, uh, office manager, accounting, CSRs, whatever, there's an agency goal. 
So everybody's in a boat together, crossing lines between personal and commercial and financial services. We're gonna put everybody in a boat together. Everyone has the same goal. And the way our system works, every month, when you do your job, everybody together, you get a prime commission. So in her revenue sharing, she's going to, let's say, get 1% of the whatever came into the agency the month before, providing it's achieving the goal. If that goal is not achieved, instead of a prime commission rate, they get a reduced commission rate. Maybe that's 75%, 75 cents. So when the agency does its job, everybody together goes up, she's gonna get 1% of that. Maybe then uh, when the agency doesn't get it, she gets 0.75% of that. So a CSR that's more involved with customers and writing business, the percentage of their income coming from commission revenue sharing is going to be higher than a receptionist. But it at least takes that receptionist and says, hey, as the entire agency grows, it's not commission. We don't get in trouble with state boards because it's not a direct commission, but it is revenue sharing. And when dollars come in, she gets a piece of it. All right, so Tom, put you on the spot here. So I know this is uh, somehow every listener out there, you I don't care who you are in the agency, as you listen to Tom talk about this, you, you, you know this works. You know that you're wanting to try this. Some of you guys are doing it. But Tom, there happens to be Sally, or there happens to be Jim, and they've been there for 45 years. And they're just not willing to buy in. And it seems as if here's everybody else on the team who's trying to get that goal so they can get that 1%. And it's just, you know, Sally or Jim is just dragging them down. I mean, I always say if you can't change your people, change your people. But sometimes that's, <laughs> sometimes that's not the easiest thing to do. I mean, you run into that. I know you do, Tom. Give me yeah. some scenarios of how you've atta- helped agencies tackle that. It's real simple. If the owner, and by the way, this is a staff-driven system that we've developed. Because the other thing I've learned about the insurance business, most owners are producers who sold so much insurance. They woke up one day with a group of people around and they don't know how they got there. They don't want them there in the first place. (laughs) That is so true. I say that all the time, Tom. That's exactly right. So it's got to be staff-driven. If it requires an owner to drive it, it'll never work because an owner's not going to do that. And, and wow, I that's great. whether it's right or wrong, staff, it's just not going to happen. It has to be staff-driven. I think that is a huge key to take away from this podcast so far, okay? So when we look at our system, the staff, if they're coming to meetings, which we have a meeting created, we have 52 staff meetings preloaded, ready to go, including audits and job descriptions, all kind of other things. But if they do their meetings, and people are sharing, oh, I, you know, this is where I am, and not sharing uh, payroll information, but everyone's participating and they're hitting their goals. They're excited about that. And you've got this 45 year uh, person over here. People will do one of two things. If they're in a peer group and they are not succeeding, they are not having the success, the affirmation, the rewards, because you never embarrass people. You absolutely never embarrass people in public or in private. But if they see these other people getting the recognition and such and the money, and they're not, 
couple of things will happen. One, their peers will go to them and say, hey, Jason, you're affecting us. You know, we we need to resolve this situation. So there's some positive peer pressure that takes place. But the other thing that takes place is our ego is not strong enough to keep putting ourselves in a position of being less than. So that person's gonna do one of two things. They're either gonna come in line or they're gonna quit. Management's not gonna have to do a thing. That person is gonna do one of two things. They're gonna say, okay, I'm gonna come on board because I don't wanna be out here all by myself or they're just going to go to the owner and say, look, this is not for me. I can't do this. And as long as owners are prepared to lose staff, they have to be prepared to lose staff because it could happen. Not that they want it to happen, but that it could happen. And between the positive peer pressure and ego saying, look, I've got to do one or two things, get in or get out. Um, we don't have a lot of problems with it. We do have people okay. leave. So, so one of the things I hear then, Tom, is I think it is um, now. Now, hear me out on this, listeners. But I think it's the agency owner's fault as to why that person is unsuccessful. Exactly. And the reason I, I say that is because if you say it doesn't lead, you know, it's got to be a staff initiative. You've got to be an employee. You got to be an agency owner that's willing to put a system in place like this to have the staff self-police themselves, have them have the buy-in to quote unquote put that pure pressure on that person or let that person realize the pure pressure. But without the agency owner picking up the phone to someone like you or actually putting this plan in place, you're allowing this revolving uh, revolving death trap to, to, to keep happening because of your lack of, of, of pushing the, the envelope. Exactly, because so many owners are intimidated by their staff. I think I think I see that more than anything. You, you know, really and, and they're scared because oh, I better not. Yeah, better not push it. They may leave. Well, that that's true. But staff also think, look, if we put enough pressure on Jason, he's eventually going to cave. It's nice he went out and found this, but if we hold our ground, he'll give in. And you know, yeah. I like what you said there, Tom. You said uh, something into the way of, well, if we push them a little bit, they might leave. Well, it's kind of like uh, you've heard this. I know you have the CEO that says to the CFO, he says, hey, we need to train all our people. And, and the CFO says, but what if we train them and they leave? And the CEO looks back at him and says, what if we don't and they stay? Yeah. You know, I mean, that, that's, a, that's, a, that's a very true. And I think this follows along there. Okay, so here's this, Tom. Um, another thing we've got, I want to get more into your system of how you guys like, like automate Great. this stuff. Okay, I want to do that, but let me let's let's give some little bit more meat to this, so then we can tie the system back to it. We got a producer, we're hiring them, and um, you know we don't know should we pay commission, should we pay you know salary plus commission, you know how how should that be structured? Is that completely wrong? There, um, you got an agency owner that calls you and says I, I've got a producer. What should I do? How should I structure the pay? What are the questions they need to ask themselves to create that plan? Well, the first thing we need to do is to be honest, hopefully, as insurance professionals and acknowledge the fact that the current system of I'll pay a producer 40% for new business and 30% for renewal or, or whatever the, the range is, that's the most insane compensation plan anybody ever came up with. Really? Because look at what you're saying. Jason, you're my producer. I don't care what you can hit goals. You cannot hit goals. But whatever, I'm still going to pay you your top dollars of 40% for new, 30% for renewal. So whether you go out and try or not, you're still going to get your top dollar. 
And Jason, I'm going to pay you to build your renewal book up so you can play golf three days a week and pay your bills. That's true. Boy, that's as true as can be. And Al Diamond calls that uh, retiring in place. And that's insane <laughs> to do that because all you want is a business owner. You want X amount of dollars in the bank, period. So we're going to tell producers, I'll pay you 40 and 30 regardless whether you bring in $100 or $100,000. I'm going to pay you the 40 and the 30. Now, what we had done, and this is true with that agency goal I mentioned, we combine new and uh, renewal business into one goal. And our system automatically breaks down and, and it adjusts the goal each month to keep people on track for where the agency needs to be. And each month, if they achieve or exceed their goal, whatever that, and that's a moving goal, keeping like the bubble on a level, keeping you leveled out to make sure you're on track each month to do what the agency needs for the year. When you achieve that goal, producer, you're going to get your prime commission rate, which is, let's say, 40% or 35%. When you don't do your job and that amount is not in the bank, maybe that's going to drop to 25%. So you're going to get paid commission on your entire book of business. So you've got to look at new and renewal. You only get your prime rate when you do your job and put X amount of dollars in the bank. So what our system does, that's totally different. We come up with a dollar goal based on how much commission income this person's gonna plan to receive at 40%, that gives us our goal. So the only way you're gonna get your top dollar is by hitting the, the goal that includes new and renewal. And if you, uh, bring it back. You miss it one month. It's going to raise the goal the next month. When you hit it the next month, it'll pick up the dollars you didn't get previously, and it's going to bring it forward. So no, the accounting doesn't have uh, reconciliations or calculations or, or all of this stuff. Our system will actually do that for them. So it's a very different way for producers. Plus, producers are now responsible for KPIs that could be cold calls, visiting customers, one agency said, I want a new producer to go to every one of our existing customers and deliver cookies as a way of introduction. So part of their income was based on delivering X number of bags of cookies to their customers. Peer evaluation. So you're, you're, I, know procedures. This, I know this sounds silly, but what you're doing is, is you're literally, I know, I know this is going to kind of be an eye-opening experience here of how simple this is. But you're just basing it on performance. You're basing it on activity. You're basing it on them being a part of what they're supposed to do. Because I think one of the biggest things we find is that proves the fact that this 40% or this set commission is 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 insane is something that I've been a part of. I mean, I'll be honest. When I was sure. a producer, I if I produced, I got 40%. If I didn't, I got 40%. And the agency owner always thought he was winning because he's like, well, Jason's not going to get paid unless he's producing. Well, if I'm making making $70,000 a year and that's all I really want to make because my wife has a good job as well or my spouse exactly. does. I mean, wh where's that at? So I, I do I do like that. I like that a lot. Okay. So it's basically, it's what we're doing now. It's just structuring it different so that it's not a guaranteed commission. It's a performance-based commission. Simple as that. And here's the way we say it. It is guaranteed. 
you're that employee that made thirty thousand. We're going to bump to thirty-three. You are guaranteed thirty-three thousand dollars this year, providing you do your job. Wow, that's the only provision. I said, I tell you, that's un-American. I mean, I'm, I'm sorry. At this stage of the game, that's un-American. Now, let me ask you this, just real quick, just real quick. So, so that after year one, Sally went from thirty thousand to thirty-three thousand. Now, can Sally expect to go from thirty-three to thirty-six-three, or whatever yes. that math would be next year? If, if you know, providing the age, that's what we would recommend. Yes, it go up to thirty-six-three. And then it would be divided out between the the revenue sharing, hourly salary, and performance. But yeah, this literally it gives the agency owner the ability to put the money on the table and say, "Look, this is your money." One employee went to the to the owner and said, "I hate this." And he says, "Which normally is not the response." She says, I, "I hate this. This is a waste of time. But that's my money, and I'll be darned if I leave a dime of it on the table." <laughs> okay, whichever, talking, way, whichever uh, way you want to think about it, that's okay. <laughs> we have a nationwide agency up in the Northeast that in 25 years had never received a customer testimonial, never. In the first two months, they received nine of them. Wow. And he went to his office manager and said, what happened? And she said, well, it's one of our KPIs. We just did our KPIs. I was talking to an Iowa agency was on our discussion group the other day, and the receptionist uh, job is to send out so many surveys on a daily basis, and it was always a tough thing to manage. He had to go and check and did you and, and whatever, and suddenly now, this person is doing it every day. He said, I no longer have to go and check on it. It's one of her KPIs. She's doing it because it's her job. And now management didn't even have to check on it because they know this person's doing their job because they can look at our report, so can the staff, and know exactly what's happening. And, and by the way, there's only about seven KPIs, so we don't load people down with a lot of stuff. But you know, we're literally seeing things transform in an agency, and I, I gotta tell you, that's fun. So, so tell me about this system. So you, you, what's it called? I mean, what, what's your? You have this computer program, or I guess that uses data to track this. Uh, let's That's talk correct. About that it's called Symphony. It's the very first talent management system for the insurance industry outside our world. Talent management systems is a six billion dollar a year industry. So it's very very big outside our world. We just haven't brought it into our world. The problem with the systems that are already out there is they're designed for companies with 100 to 200, 500, 5,000 employees for much larger. They really lean towards um, the salespeople, and it really doesn't give that staged growth that ours does. But uh, it's a talent management system. Where I see ourselves, Jason, very honestly, is where Applied and AMS were 30 years ago. We're right there with a talent management system. Let me just point out, because this is going to be a big thing. I don't know if you've had anyone do a podcast on it, but I think it's important. In December, the overtime regulations change going into 2017. And if anyone makes less than 47600 I think it's $40 a year, even if their salary, you have to pay them overtime. And really? that's going to be a, a, a big change because right now that threshold is 23000 It's going up to forty-seven six. 
So since most agency staff is under 47000 if they're paying someone's salary, they're going to have to know if that person worked over or not. So that the employee doesn't come back six months later and say, oh, you owe me all this money. So we are building into our system. It's the first technology for our industry to do this. It'll be a time clock that staff can clock in and clock out, generate timesheets is the first part of this, and that will be rolled out for fourth quarter. That's when this new plan goes into, or the government regulation. But we'll also be adding in PTO vacations and requesting time off, tracking it, doing all of those kinds of things will be in our system, along with a number of other enhancements and upgrades that we'll be doing so that we're gonna continue to grow as a technology company but more importantly, we're one of the only technology companies. We tell our customers, don't email us unless you want to. Pick up the phone and call us. Amen. And, Love that. And there are there's staff. Staff, they say, Tom, I don't know how to hit my goal. My business partner, Nina Messer, is in South Carolina. She's on the phone every day to these people. And they're saying, I don't know how to hit my goal. Great. Let's do a little coaching here. Let me give you some ideas of what you can do to achieve your KPI. Where's she out out of uh, out of South Carolina? She's in the Spartan uh, Greensburg, Greens Greenville. Greenville, thank you. Oh, okay, uh, fantastic area. So One we of the take top a, agencies I know in the nation, uh, insurance ad, advisors uh, is advisors insurance agency. Excuse me, I'd go is, look is, that one. is out there. Yeah, Miles Merwin. He's a fantastic agent. Talk about growth. I bet you you're probably going to hear from him actually. I hope so. Um, but I'd like to, as a side note, Tom, just so I don't forget, I want to bring you on our mastermind here in a couple weeks. Oh, that'd be excellent. And what, I, and what I'd like to do is for you to um, actually uh, demo this product so that All we right. can kind of see inside of it and give them a little bit more. That's just one of the benefits that uh, a lot of people get when they're part of the Grow Mastermind is we get uh, we get the podcast, but on steroids, if you know what I'm talking Excellent. about. You get to see some other stuff. So, and so... Um, and so overall, I mean, when when agencies want to do this, I mean, what do they do? They just reach out to you, have a discussion, try to figure out where the issues are. But at the end of the day, this uh, symphony is probably going to be the answer for majority of the issues they're having, I guess. Or Exactly. And what we have found, Jason, is we work with niche agencies, PNC, captives, MGAs. Uh, we've been able to do across the board because okay. all of them have the same issues. Right. What's really nice, because I really do believe if it's up to the owner, it'll never happen. We send out a packet of information that we're gonna ask the owner to fill out, and it's gonna give us everything we need. We create his compensation plan for him based oh, on the wow. information he gives us. Wow. So that the first time the owner sees it, it's 80% down the road and just has to be tweaked. Okay. We will get on the phone, or even better, I will go out. We include um, an in-house, one day of an in-house visit, and I will go to that agency. We'll be on the phone. I either want to do it by phone if they want me to do it there. We will do the first meeting, introducing staff to it. We meet with the owner, with each staff to explain it. We meet with the owners you know, when they get ready to do a new plan for next year or whatever. We work with them to you know, make sure that what they're doing, what do we need to tweak, what do we need to, to fine tune. But by the by the time the owner sees it for the first time, it is all created for them. 
Fantastic. Wow, 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 wow. And that's huge because no matter what we do, we do a lot of services for agents. It's just getting them to do it is the most part. And we've found out to be successful, I think, is what you do. We just kind of create it for them and then we give it to them and say, hey, change out what you like. And it's exactly. a lot more successful that way because I'm could, an agency owner. I don't um, do half the stuff I'm supposed to do in a timely fashion. Uh, let me say, because... I'm guessing there's probably some consultants that uh, that listen to the podcast. Oh yeah. And for the consultants listening, one of the biggest because you just brought it up, and you know, you do. But how do you get staff to do it? So a consultant could go in it, and I mean, lay out the best solid analysis for an agency and plan in the world. The question is, how do you get staff? to do what the consultant is recommending done because so many owners are not going to press it through mm -hmm. for all the reasons that we talked about. So we bring that other side of the coin that when a consultant goes in and says, this is how we're going to, this is how we recommend you move forward. These are the changes. We can tie those changes directly back to the KPIs and to the staff's income so that staff have a reason to buy into the change the consultant is bringing in because now their income is based on it. Gotcha, gotcha. gotcha. Which is a huge, huge benefit mm, for consultants. Dang right it is. Yeah, that, yeah. Uh, this tool helps a lot of people. It does. You're right about that. And and it helps a lot of people help a lot of people, to be honest with you. And I think that's the, the biggest thing. I love what you call talent management because it seems like there's a, you know, I've been telling my son that one of the things I want him to think about going into school, he's 17 years old, is I tell him all the time, like data management, managing data, and something like this. I guarantee you, Tom, there are probably 80 to 90% of these listeners right now that have no idea there's even such thing as talent management or software. Uh, yes. What'd you say? Or uh, more. Or more. No, no, we have no idea. And that's why I'm, I'm sitting here blown away myself. And, and so I think this is fabulous stuff. Um, I really want to get you on the mastermind to kind of demo this stuff. Um, once again, if uh, if is there anything else kind of closing this thing up that we kind of really want to lay out or is there something that we kind of forgot? The only thing that I would say is something for every owner that's listening to think about. You have in the last 13 years that I've been in insurance, uh, I've seen paper go to paperless. I've seen yellow pages go to digital marketing. You know, we've seen desktop scanners and, and such and all the technology that's come in and that includes management, you know, everything that's out. We have changed every part of doing business other than the one that is the most important because you're right, they are consumers. We want that consumer loyalty from our staff as much as we do from our external customers. And we changed everything about the one part of the agency that represents 50%, by the time you do taxes and compensation and everything, 50 cents out of every hard-earned dollar. Revenue rates are going down. The agencies are getting paid on business by carriers. It hasn't hit bottom yet. Agencies have to take advantage of every dollar that they get coming in. Compensation is not an expense, it's an investment where you have a return on investment. And that's the biggest thing that I try to get across. You cannot afford 
to change everything else and leave the one thing that's the biggest impact on your growth and still do it like you did it 30 years ago. That is so true. That is so true. Oh, man, you you hit that right on the head there. And um, you brought up like three questions in my mind right at the same time, so I can't remember what it was. But it was, let me ask you this real quick just to close this out. A real interesting question that I think everybody would want to know. What is, in most agencies, what is that split line to where the agency's making money and not making money? You just said, you know, if you add up expenses and taxes and all that, are you seeing, I mean, if an agency's paying 50 or 55 or 60% commission to their agent, now regardless of all the stuff that you just said just a minute ago. Right. Just everything's even. I mean, is that a ridiculous amount? Is that agency making any money? I mean, what is that split roughly? Does that make sense? Yeah, and let me answer that in, in two parts. From the staff part, because you got the producer that's ah, a little bit good different. Good point. Good point. Um, the way I recommend, and we have a PL worksheet built into the system. I don't care as a business owner. I don't care what best practice is. Very honestly, as far as what I pay my staff, I agree. I, I don't care what somebody in New York can pay. I care what can I afford. So we help staff fill out or um, owners fill out this P and L worksheet. And we take all of their expenses, including capital expenses, what they want in the bank at the end of the year, payroll, uh, benefits, all of that stuff. We add all of that up. We take their plan revenue. The difference in those is what you can afford to put on the table for compensation. Gotcha. So it's not so much what best practice is, but what can I afford? And I, I think that's, that's the key thing. I don't care what size agency is. And that's for the non-producer driven business. For producers, the main thing is, I think 40-30, I think that's a, I hear that split a lot. As a business owner, there is absolutely no way I could ever justify paying somebody 50%. I, I, I personally, I think that's crazy. Okay. Because that's uh, you're, pro, you're providing the, the uh, support, the CSR, yeah, you're providing an office, you're providing all those things. So that is slanted so heavily in favor of the um, uh, of the producer that in my mind anyway, that doesn't work. What makes our system unique, regardless what that split, again, 35 to 40%, 40% on the high end for prime commission rate, I think is extremely reasonable because they're also going to get that same 35 to 40% on renewal business. Because remember, we, we did the entire book yeah. rolled together. So somewhere between 35 and 40% as a prime commission rate on the total book of business, new and renewal, is kind of what we see the most. If the agency can afford more, pay it to the staff. Everything that you can pay staff, pay them. Make this a win-win for staff, but you cannot do that as a fixed expense, and you can't do that saying, I'm gonna pay you, you know, whatever the 40, 50%, regardless how much money you leave on the table, I'm still gonna pay you your your top rate. So Fantastic. It, it really comes back to what can the agency afford, and we're gonna base it on that, and like this one agency said, if, if my staff can five years from now be making $90,000 a year, 
fantastic. That yes. means I'm making more. I agree. I agree. I, I, I so agree. I have said that so many times. People are like, what? You'd like to pay your staff that? I'm like, yeah, can you imagine how All much right. I'm making? You know, here's what I always say, Tom, in relation to it. I always put like putting things in relation. I say one of my goals in life is, is I want to pay a million dollars in taxes. There you go. And people look at you and go, why would you make that at your goal? Because that means I made at least three or four million uh, you exactly. know, in total income. You know, but I'd be happy current, to pay a million dollars in taxes. On current compensation, you can there is no way it will never ever happen with standard compensation models. It can't because you cannot take the risk of increasing fixed expenses. You just can't do it. Wow. Thank you very much, Tom. You've been fantastic. I love this idea of fixed expenses. It makes sense. But once you hear somebody wrap it up like someone like yourself, and I mean, and, and I'm going to tell you right now, 50% of the people that are listening right now, they think that you're wrong and, and everything that you're saying is wrong. And that's okay that you're thinking that if you're out there right. because you're probably not going to be here in five to 10 years. And that's more business for me and everybody who is in agreement with Tom. And so sometimes, Tom, I like to be a little harsh, but sometimes, you know, the truth hurts. I was I was dealing with, uh, I was uh, I was doing a little charity work this weekend, and that's not the point of the story. But this guy was 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 talking to me about this, and he, and and I and he was an older gentleman, and I was just giving him a hard time. Him and I know each other, and and he was having trouble loading this rock that we were doing. And I said, "Man, I said you're just getting old." And he looked at me, and he says, "I could be mad at you, but boy, the truth hurts." You know, and, and, <laughs> and it was the truth. You know what I mean? So so, anyways, I wouldn't recommend that to somebody if who's who's a veteran or older in the um, in age if you don't know them. But anyways. Um, that was something that we did. I thought it was a great time. Tom, I really appreciate you coming on. I really don't think you understand um, the eyes that you opened, the 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 kickstart that you gave a lot of agency owners out there. And you and you as I um, you know as well as I do, you listener out there, probably about forty to fifty percent of you are CSRs. So this is something that maybe you want to take to your agency owner to get them to reach out to Tom. Because keep in mind, um, one of the things that we always say is is that well, I can't do it unless my owner wants to do it. If the owner, if you can just get him to take the first step, as you heard Tom say, this is based on uh, being staff driven. And and I think that that's really, really important. So Tom, um, just wrapping it up, I'll give you a couple more seconds. If you got, is there anything else you want to say? And please tell them where they can find you again. The only thing I would say, Jason, is if for any of the listeners, if we can be of help, whether you ever do business with us or not, I don't care. Uh, my direct line is 972-961-4798. Please pick up the phone and call. If you want to go over your compensation plan, um, I'd be more than happy to do that. If you want to just talk through some staff issues, more than happy to do that. Again, whether you ever do business with us or not, 972-961-4798. It would be a pleasure and an honor to talk to any one of your listeners we just appreciate the opportunity to uh, visit with you. No, and that's fine. We appreciate the opportunity for you to spill your knowledge for free. Not everybody charges anymore. It's a busy world, and we greatly appreciate that. The last thing I do want to close out with um, is just to, just to say thank you, Tom, um, for, for coming on. It's been great. I would like to also thank everybody who's an Agents Influence listener. You know that it means more than anything to me um, for you to be a part of our community. And uh, if they, if people, uh, you guys are doing what you're supposed to be 
you doing? We're getting a lot of traction off LinkedIn, which means a lot of you fellow LinkedIn people are sharing our message. And keep in mind, when I say our message, that isn't agents influence, that isn't grow program. That is our message as an industry, as agency owners, as CSRs, as account managers, as insurance executives, and as claims adjusters. It doesn't really matter. We're all in this together and we have to create forward momentum. The only way we're going to change this age, this industry is by giving people like Tom Baker a voice, like giving other people that we've brought on to this, to this podcast a voice. Why does that do that? By giving them a voice that allows you to sit back and look at different ways that your agency should operate, different ways that the consumer is expecting you to operate, different kind of life personal balances that we need to have today to be successful. It's a different world. I love what Tom said. Sometimes in the insurance industry, it feels like he's back in 1950. He feels young again. And you, hey, know, you got it. You know, and, and, and that's just so vital. And so by you sharing the message, by making us all better, because some would say, Jason, why do you do this? They say, why do you do this? Why do you want to help your competition get better? Because when my competition gets better, it makes me get better. And when I get better, I write more business. And when I write more business, my kids get to go to better schools and they get better things in their life and they have a happier, more successful, um, rich childhood. And that's what it's all about for me. And if that's what it's about for you, then share this message, get Tom on the phone, figure out how to make your agency more staff, uh, staff driven, Keep uh, stop running your business like an agency, or excuse me, start, start running your agency like a business. And that, that is one of some of the things that are very, very vital. And I just ask you to take it seriously, reach out to Tom, reach out to me at jason at growprogram.com, or you can reach out to him at tbaker at catalystinsurancesystems.com. Once again, last but not least, don't forget Grow Lab that's coming on September 8th. And I got to give a shout out to my sponsors. We didn't want to have a lot of sponsors and each sponsor has to be a product that I use or other agents use that I know about and or it has to be involved in creating the customer experience business cycle. So I want to give a shout out to Marblebox. They do all my backroom work out of India. They're fantastic and I couldn't do what I do without them. Rocket Referrals, someone who helps me get referrals and a lot of other agencies out there who are building and creating referrals automatically. And also Insurance Agent Mobile app. That is a huge app that I use. And I'll just tell you, no one within 100 miles has the app that I do and have customers that love it like we do. And last but definitely not least is Advisors Evolved. If you don't know Chris Lane Jill, you need to reach out to Advisors Evolved. Go look him up right now and you're going to be amazed at the stuff that he's doing. Because I'll be honest with you, I don't think there's anybody better in the marketing and the web space uh, besides this guy. And he tells it to you like it is. So I want to go on. I don't want to go on anymore, but it's Grow Lab on September 8th, and those are our wonderful sponsors. want to give a shout out to all those. But in the meantime, tell me your thoughts and tell me your ideas, and I'm going to tell the world what you have to say. This has been Jason Cass with Agents Influence Podcast. See talk about Grow Lab real quick. In Chicago on September 8th, I'm just going to tell you by the time you're listening to this podcast, it's probably filled up because I believe we have two. I think we possibly might have three openings. And when I say that, guys, that's not a gimmick. I have a room that only 50 people can fit into. I mean, that's just the way that it is. And literally, we have, I think, 47, maybe, maybe 48 registered. I know someone did this weekend. 
So please join us. If you want to get in on this, you please reach out to us. Um, if for some reason you can't find the registration form, that's our uh, registration and how to register online, it's probably because we took it down and it's full. If you're just electric and ecstatic that you want to be there to be a part of this, which I can definitely understand how that could be, um, I want you to email me at jason at growprogram.com. That's jason at growprogram.com. And I'll see if there's anything I can do. But I'm serious. I can only fit 50 people in the room. So you better call quick. <laughs>